All right, Pastor Dom. So we're starting off our first ever edition of, I don't know what they call it. Let's call it Stump the Pastors. And uh, the points don't exist and there is no prize except we, you, I guess you can have bragging rights if you come up with something that we have no answer to. Does that sound right? Uh, that's risky, but yeah, we'll, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> don't give it the bragging rights. Yeah. Um, I, I'm excited about this. We've had people from the church just send in via Facebook just questions about scripture and, and Christianity in general that they, they want answers to. And uh, we've done a little research here. We had a couple of days to kind of look through these. All right, so I love this first question we're going to talk about and the way it's worded. Uh, the question is, how can I explain communion to my three-year-old granddaughter that is not churched? She watches us taking it and asks why we do this. I say we are praying to Jesus, not sure how much she understands. I, I like that because, it, it, you know, you don't think about the little ones that watch this stuff happen. And, you know, you, you grew up in, I think, Catholic background, right. and there's a lot of, there's different rituals in every denomination, every faith, and uh, yeah, as kids, we don't always get that explained to us. So how, how would you explain that? I think that, I mean, uh, when you look at communion, there's a, there's a lot of different parts to it, but when we're trying to explain it to a youngster, I think it's a, a great opportunity to share the gospel uh, we see in Scripture, and, and this is the uh, this is the easy one here. We see where Jesus says, "Do this in remembrance of me." So when you explain that to, it doesn't even have to be a, a young child; it can be a, an adult as well. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to evangelize, so to speak. So you say, you know, we we do different things in life in the natural, like we'll um, we'll celebrate birthdays every year, you know, because it's a special time. We'll celebrate Fourth of July. We'll celebrate uh, Christmas and uh, they're all important times uh, in our lives and they're all somewhat like a monumental things in our lives but when we look at communion um, we were celebrating it if you will in remembrance of what Christ has done for us so you you go back to that and you explain it to the to the person and again I'm not just saying the youth it, it could be a, it could be an adult as well and you're explaining okay we're taking communion we can't forget what Jesus did for us. And then you go into, you know, we're all sinners. Sin separates us from God. Sin means miss the mark. And uh, by Christ dying for us, he was the sacrifice, the only sacrifice that we could have to uh, have eternal life and have a relationship with God. You know, a lot of uh, churches, um, they have different views on communion. And uh, some of them take it, you know, once every month. Uh, we take it every week. And I got to be honest, when we started out, we were taking it every month. And um, and I think, to be honest with you, we were taking it every month for convenience sake mm. because there's a lot of work um, that takes place to, when you got to have communion. A lot of people don't realize when we, when we um, you know, we would have communion, we would have a, you know, team set up you know, come in the morning, make 200-some communion cups and wafers, and then clean up. So uh, it was kind of like a little inconvenience. But uh, I can remember my dad telling me, how, you know, asking me, how come we don't have communion every week? So then I started analyzing that personally. I started realizing, you know, that's right. We should have it every week. And um, most recently, now we do the uh, communion and the, and the wafer in that one one little container, and it works great. But it's really that important. We can get involved in many church things and church activities, but it all goes back to the cross, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So whenever you share on communion, it's always, again, it's always an opportunity to bring people back to the cross, and it really makes a good salvation message. But the point really is, is you gotta, you gotta understand some other things too. I mean, 
saying, why did Jesus have to come? And then why did he have to shed his blood mm-hmm. and things of that nature? So that's kind of the um, the quick version, I thought. I think, yeah. on it. What, what's your thoughts on it, Josh? Anything? Well, I think that's really good. I, up until Perry Hall Family Worship Center, I've been, the churches I've been a part of, it was once a month or even once a quarter, or if we're being honest, once in a while when we remembered we were supposed to do that, like it wasn't that consistent. And I can just speak to what I've gained from it here. One of the biggest uh, differences it's made for me is it's shocking how far and how long I can go without just sitting down and thinking about the cross and just giving thanks for that very specific, very important thing. And so now doing it weekly together as a church, doing it in our Zoom groups, like that yeah. that thought is yes. constantly in my mind. And so I like the, the you talked about comparing it, how we, we quickly celebrate a birthday or the 4th of July these things, but we don't always give the same reverence or importance to remembering the cross. And so I think that's a great way that a kid can definitely understand. Yeah, I think also um, that when we when we look at communion, and again, I'm I'm coming from a, a from a, a denomination that we had communion every every Sunday, and then um, and then I, we got involved in other churches, and they were doing it once a month. But the um, the point is that, uh, and I've had this question, or I've I've made this statement a couple times. In a church service, you have worship, you have communion, and you have the message. And I'm just going to be really honest. I'm not sure what's the most important. Hmm. I mean, they're all so important. Uh, communion is just important. Worship is important. It's you know, worship is is cultivating the heart, I believe, and and communion is kind of getting us set and everything prepares for the word. But but uh, I still don't really know which one's the most important. Yeah. And that's the way I label uh, communion. It's it's very important. It's not just a, a segment. It's not just a, a nice little you know three or four minutes. Um, in the service, it's 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 critical, I believe. So it's critical. Mm-hmm. E- even the word communion. I mean, you think about commune. Like I'm communing with you right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so right. I, yeah, it is important because that's a point in the service where we are communing. We're very consciously, if we're if we're paying attention, we're communing with God. Like mm-hmm. in that moment. That's, yeah, right. That's incredible. Right. And I think there's a whole lot more. I mean, I'm I'm just kind of pulled out the the First Corinthians uh, 11 that was 24 and 25 where he says, "In remembrance of me." There's a lot more to communion i think that uh, a lot of people really don't grasp and uh, maybe one day i'll do a series on it on a sunday mm-hmm. service but a lot of times we look at um jesus talking about his body and um you know is that his physical body or is that the mm-hmm. the body of christ church <laughs> that's a whole so, podcast yeah that's good yeah. That's we'll good. save that for a series or something all right well, moving along here this one is, is interesting to me uh it's basically asking what does it mean if you haven't spoken in tongues You've been used by the Holy Spirit, and you've asked to speak in tongues, but it hasn't happened. And I feel like this is more of a hot topic than we admit sometimes. You know, we, me and you have talked about this. Churches go very different directions on the gifts of the Spirit in general, maybe tongues more than most. So how, what would you say to someone like that who's – they've got the Holy Spirit, they, they've, but they've never spoken in tongues, or they've been used by the Holy Spirit, and they've asked to speak in tongues – um, what do you say to that? Yeah, I would say um, in, in, it, it can be very controversial, and uh, we choose what we want to uh, believe. Hmm. And uh, I can say, before I get into some other points here, that uh, I'm not ashamed to say that I, I, I speak in tongues, I pray in tongues uh, every single day. You'll see in Scripture, uh, you get power in it, you get encouragement and things like that. And um, I share every now and then when we were building the building, uh, I needed God's help. I was running out of 
fuel. Mm-hmm. I literally thought I was going to die. Just, just, just the pressure of building. Everything went good, but it was just a lot of pressure building and still doing the church and everything else. And uh, I, I uh, go back to me having my time uh, praying in tongues and getting strength from that. Uh, I think a lot of people they they don't they don't speak in tongues because maybe they don't want to. They don't believe it. They think it's past tense. Uh, like I say, in some some churches, it's very controversial, but. Um, um, but we receive it by faith. So uh, I think I think uh, uh, the, one of the big problems is is our head gets in the way. We believe in salvation and we we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And uh, when we receive the the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it comes with a whole bunch. And uh, uh, some of this stuff I, I get out of Larry Crider's uh, a discipleship book, the New Testament baptisms. And he uses an explanation of like, um, or an example, I should say, of like cutting your grass. You can cut your grass with a pair of scissors or a lawnmower and you know that's that's where the power of the holy spirit comes and um and you know i i believe in it i practice it and i would say again the biggest problem is our head our head gets in hmm. in the way I, th- I wonder if that's the fear too in this question because i've dealt with this with different holy spirit giftings like the fear of i haven't done this or i haven't been given this so i must not have faith you know what i mean or i must not uh and and maybe that is true in circumstances maybe it has been for me at times you know what i mean like like the the feeling is i'm doing something wrong um or my faith isn't strong enough have you heard people talk like that well you know i think the thing is that um uh we are the problem now not to beat us up or anything Mm. like that but we're the ones I believe that's stopping it. You can you can uh, choose to receive, but you don't have to receive uh, anything in life. And um, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and the evidence is speaking in tongues. Now you will have churches out there that condemn it, and then you will have other churches saying if you're not speaking in tongues, you're not saved. Um, I disagree with both of them. Mm. Uh, I really do, but you know, I don't want to miss out on what God has for us. And you see through Scripture. I mean, there's so many different scriptures that talks about um, this uh, supernatural gift. And what I like about it, I know you know people people don't understand it, and it's babbling and all that stuff. But it's like a heavenly language, and um, and when you're praying, it's good that only God knows what you're saying mm. and not the devil. Uh, I think sometimes we don't realize that when we're speaking, we're speaking it out there, out loud. Everybody's hearing what's, what we're speaking, and even the devil is hearing yeah. it. So then he can block interference. Now, when we're speaking, when I'm speaking in tongues or praying, I don't have a clue what I'm saying in one sense, but my spirit is connecting to God's spirit. And I think that when we, we begin to utilize that, um, we, we, we get encouraged, we get power. I don't see... I don't see personally, and, I, and I'm not you know, saying anything here, I don't see how we can pray without ceasing, without, having that, without speaking in tongues. I mean, in human words, you're going to pray, you're going to pray, you're going to say, you're going to run out of English words. You're going to pray for your marriage, you're going to pray for your wife, your kids, your job, you know, you're going to pray certain things. And then after that, you know, it's almost like you run out of words and... and um, when you're praying in tongues, you're you're focused in on God, and you can go, you can pray hours, and you can just keep mm-hmm. on praying. But your mind is um, is really connecting uh, with God, and um, and you know, I know some people may disagree with me, but that's yeah. the way I see it. That's the way I believe it, and that's the way uh, that's the way what God has got me through this far, even in ministry. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. 
And this this is one we talked about pretty briefly here, but uh, one of the questions was, why was it dark for three hours after Jesus died on the cross? Um, yeah, I think we. I, I kind of know where you're at on this, and I know that neither one of us, neither one of us, would say here is the exact answer. But we do have. We've had some thoughts on it. So do you want to share? kind of the symbolism of that or what it yeah I, I mean you know I'm not here to say I know everything or all the answers I believe that uh, there are certain things we just don't know uh, we can kind of um, almost like a predestination type of thing you know <laughs> yeah. we really don't know that we can dance around it but a darkness um, the the darkness when Jesus was on the cross um, we look at darkness in scripture and i just have to say uh there's nothing that really explains three hours uh why it was dark in one sense now it's probably there i haven't found it Mm -hmm. however i will see you will see throughout scripture darkness um is really uh not really a, a a good sign like for instance i i have here in joel 2 2 it says a day of darkness and gloominess and it's, so it's kind of always connecting darkness with a um, with a, what's the word I want to say like a situation that's not pleasing to yeah. God. Maybe yeah. we've seen it with the Egyptians coming out of mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry with the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Yeah. Uh, we see it. Uh, we're going to see it as well. You see it throughout the Bible, but we also see it in Revelation. Uh, and I'm looking at Revelation sixteen ten. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his angels became full of darkness and they gnawed their teeth their their tongues because of the pain so the darkness is 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 not really a positive sign it's it's probably more of a um mm. of a, a sign of um what's the word i want to say being displeased yeah or, maybe yeah. something like that it, it's interesting just with you talking right there because we're as a church we're going through john we just went through mark in our studies and uh, one thing that keeps coming up over and over is the disciples don't get it the disciples just mm. they're they're blind they're not they're not getting the idea and so this maybe there's a moment here where you know god has said like listen you're not paying attention you're spiritually blind well here it's you're going to be in the dark for three yeah. hours it's kind of I, I don't know i don't pretend to know his thoughts on it but i, I it think the, fits. yeah i think the um the supernatural act of darkness kind of makes it a supernatural act mm. so some people say that the um the darkness was a result of a, a solar eclipse but that couldn't have possibly been right because um when i'll just read something here solar eclipse can only occur at the time of a new moon about 14 days prior to the full moon when the moon is on the same side of the earth as the sun so it was impossible for a solar eclipse to occur during any day of passover in any year the darkness was not due to a solar eclipse many people like to write it off as some type of scientific uh, reason why it was uh, dark and things like that because of they, they would say a solar eclipse but that possibly couldn't happen yeah, understood. Well, here, here's our last one for this week. Um, the question is this. What is the significance of the 12 tribes for us? What can we learn from them? And I'll, I'll just say this. I, I was, You and I talked, and I was researching this. Um, I guess I want to encourage anyone listening to this that it's not difficult to find all the information. You know, I, I ended up in an article on Christianity Today and going back and checking that against Scripture and just kind of refreshing myself because I haven't read uh, these these passages in a long time. So I guess I would say 
first of all, the significance of them, it, well, it, it kind of impacts everything. You know, you have the tribe of Judah where Jesus comes through them, and, and Paul is. I'm trying to remember which one Paul is a member of the tribe of um Oh, let me look here. Is it Benjamin? Yeah, he's a member of the tribe of Benjamin. So the significance, even just historically, you know, Jesus himself, Paul the Apostle, um, people who have just changed the world came through these tribes, which is a big deal. As far as what we can learn from them, you know, I, there's there's takeaways from every last one. And I'll just, I'll kind of give a couple, kind of ask your thoughts on it as we go. But so the tribe of Reuben is the firstborn and it, he lost his blessing. He had a double inheritance. He, the royal kingdom and the priesthood, and uh, he committed an act of adultery and the blessing was taken away. And I guess so, like I could look at that one and say, sin just kind of ruins everything. We can forfeit our blessings. We can, you know, just ruin what God's given us. And I think that's still true today. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I, I like what you said about f- we can forfeit our blessings because we choose to make bad decisions. And whether it was then in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, um, I don't. You know, I don't think we take the. Uh, we don't have the curse like they may have had in the Old Testament, but we do forfeit the blessing. And um, when we get these, when we have, when we go through these twelve tribes, you know, if you review them, you'll see it's it's really. Uh, it's kind of like everyday life and things haven't changed. It's still the same way with yeah. situations in people's lives. And sometimes you can pick out this certain person and you can almost connect them with the, one of the tri one of the, you know, people, the tribes there. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to skip around. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go to Dan, you know, God promised them. They were promised, I should say fertile land, but th- there's records of them taking matters in their own hands. And even um, they invaded a peaceful nation. They even began worshiping idols. And I think, you know, for me, I read that and I say, well, my life lesson there is it's way too easy to compromise and to put our faith in our own hands and devote ourselves to idols. Even now, you know, God's he's promised us a lot, but it's pretty easy for me to say, no, no, God, I got this. Like, I'm going to do this yeah. my way, which yeah. is, you know, right. another way to forfeit that blessing. But I, I would say, and I don't know if I think you would say the same thing. What I would say, there's a lot of significance historically and biblically. But I would really encourage people to go through and just read it all and, and yeah. do some studies because yeah. that's just two examples. In every last one of these tribes, there's huge takeaways for our daily life. Right. But kind of want to close on this. Um, you have talked to me a lot about rightly dividing the Word of God, about looking at the Old Testament, looking at the New Testament. And, you know, there there is differences. And so here, th- these are some things that we can take from the Old Testament that apply today. Mm-hmm. But I when you look at the 12 tribes, you think there's a, do we need to kind of put those glasses on of like, hey, this is the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. There are some differences. Would you agree? Or? Yeah, I do agree. Okay. I do agree. I think uh, the bottom line, sin is sin. Mm-hmm. That hasn't changed. And, um, you know, when we we talked, you just talked about idols. Uh, I think that's a, a big thing in everybody's lives today, whether we call it a statue or or we call it our, our home, our job. Some of these things can be idols. And idols basically putting something before God. Mm-hmm. And uh, it could even be a, a loved one. You know, we can't put anything before God. And in ministry, we can't put ministry before God. I know that sounds crazy, but but that's that's the way it is. Yeah. You know, ministry can get in your way and work can get in your way. And, uh, you know, for, for us as pastors, you know, first and foremost is our relationship with God. And then as we kind of trickle down, you know, we get things in right order. But, uh, but you'll see these 12 tribes, I mean, you know, they were just like we are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the advantage we have, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of almost goes back to uh, what was our second question there with the, 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but also when you accept Christ, you have you have the Holy Spirit in that sense. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting when you think about yeah. that and think about these people's lives and and rightly divide in the Bible. I mean, that's that's really critical. Uh, a lot of times we miss out on that because. Um, uh, you know, Jesus has come to give us life and give it more abundantly. So when we when we look at the curse uh, that he took on the tree, as we say, uh, the curse from the Old Testament. So, you know, we don't get the punishments that that there was in the Old Testament because of grace. So I, I thank the Lord for grace. It's good. It's really good. All right. Well, I enjoyed this. I hope we, we do it over and over again. And if anyone out there listening has better answers, then you won bragging rights and the keys to Pastor Dom's car for the next two weeks. <laughs> and, uh, if, you know, if there's any complaints, like I'll give you his personal phone number here at the end. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate you taking time to sit down and do this. Oh, this and I think it's good. This I look is forward great. to doing it more often. Amen. Me too. All right. Thanks, brother. Thanks God for tuning you. in.